This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jackson Vungani and here is what is coming up. Many of our African colleagues especially made clear that as much as they needed emergency relief, what they really needed was more investment in agricultural innovation, sustainability, self-sufficiency. That is U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken on the world's growing hunger crisis, especially in Africa. All of this and more coming up on African News Tonight. And for our lead story in his address a short time ago at the U.N. General Assembly, U.S. President Joe Biden condemned Russian President Vladimir Putin for launching the war against Ukraine this year. In stern language, he sought to rally allies and other countries to, quote, hold Russia accountable for what Biden called atrocities. In his speech, Biden also announced a $2.9 billion in global food security aid to ease the impact of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and climate change. He also called for extending an agreement that allowed Ukraine to export grain and urged countries to avoid banning food exports or hoarding grain. Two-thirds of the U.S. money will go to the U.S. Agency for International Development to help the world's most vulnerable populations. The rest will be used for global development projects aimed at boosting the efficiency and resilience of the world's food supply. He's also meeting today with new British Prime Minister Liz Truss. The second day of the UN's annual general debate, VOA UN correspondent Margaret Bashir joins me live to bring us up to date on what world leaders are saying. Uh, Margaret, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So President Biden spoke uh, this morning at the U.N. General Assembly. He was uh, supposed to speak yesterday as the U.S. is usually traditionally the second, uh, uh, you know, the second uh, to speak on the first day. Uh, Ukraine and Russia were clearly on his mind and uh, he did not hold back his uh, criticism of Putin. No, he, he went straight to it at the start of his speech, and he reacted to today's news out of Moscow, where President Putin said that he's going to call up 300,000 reservists to his military, and he also uh, threatened, you know, made th- threats about nuclear uh, weapons. So uh, President Biden int- uh, addressed that right out of the gate, and he said uh, that Putin's overt nuclear threats against Europe are reckless. They're uh, in reckless disregard for the responsibilities under the nuclear nonproliferation regime that Russia is a part of. And he said the Kremlin is organizing sham referenda to annex parts of Ukraine, which is a huge violation of the UN Charter, and that the world should see that for the outrageous act that it is, because we know that Moscow is planning uh, in the coming days to do referenda in four occupied areas of Ukraine in order to try and establish some sort of legitimacy there. Um, he said that basically Russia is trying to extinguish Ukraine's right to exist as a state and its right the, and the Ukrainian people's right to exist as a people. And he said the United States has given, I think he said, around $25 billion so far in assistance to Ukraine, military, humanitarian, and other assistance 
assistance. And he was quite clear. He said uh, the United States wants this war to end, but it needs to be on just terms, on terms that everyone signed up for, uh, that you cannot seize a nation's territory by force. And that's basically the U.N. Charter, what the U.N. Charter says. So mm. he was appealing to all of the members of the audience because they've all signed up to the U.N. Charter to implement it. Right. And, uh, you know, he said that uh, the U.N. Charter was under attack. But just like some have said, the, the two most important people he was addressing were not in the audience. That is uh, President Vladimir Putin and uh, Xi Jinping of China. Uh, how did he say America sees itself in this and its role in these uh, shifting geopolitical trends? Well, I think the Biden administration has gone back to uh, the American style of leadership about multilateralism, about leading on things like human rights. He spoke quite clearly about human rights in his speech. He also spoke about feeding the world, about the food crisis. As you mentioned, he uh, pledged $2.9 billion for humanitarian uh, assistance on the food security. And he said, if parents cannot feed their children, then nothing else matters. And, and that's, you know, something that we can all relate to. And so I think he was trying to reestablish this feeling of the United States as, you know, uh, like the beacon on the hill. Right. And uh, so one of uh, President Biden's favorite causes of late has been promoting and protecting democracy in the face of threats such as uh, far right uh, populism. What did he say about the threat to democracy both at home and abroad? Uh, well, he spoke about uh, uh, democracy versus um, autocracy, and he said that the United States would always uh, seek to uh, promote democracy. Mm. And uh, who are some of the speakers we are looking uh, forward to this uh, today? Well, we have several from Africa coming up. Uh, this morning we heard from the presidents of Nigeria and Rwanda, but in a little while we'll hear from uh, Madagascar, from Kenya's new president, William Ruto, uh, from the head of the council in Libya. Uh, so we have quite a bit from Africa today. You so much to look forward to. VOA UN correspondent uh, Margaret Bashir. Thank you so much, Margaret. Good to talk to you. The president of the South African Chamber of Commerce in the United States says there needs to be a push to invest in building the industrialization of sub-Sahara Africa. Speaking on the sidelines of the United Nations General Assembly this week in New York, Neil Diamond also expressed concern about reports that grain from Ukraine is being sent to wealthy European nations and leaving out Africa. His concerns come despite data showing that just 20% of the recent Ukrainian grain shipments uh, go to world markets. Diamond discussed those issues and more in an exclusive interview with viewers Peter Cloti in New York. I think that is a very big concern. Uh, African food security, like food security across all the world, is very important. We currently have over 350 million Africans starving, in dire need of food, and if there's not an equitable distribution of food across the globe, it adversely affects emerging countries and benefits those more developed countries. They are also in a better position to pay top dollar for grain, which disproportionately affects Africa and adversely affects those hungry people on our continent. Now, let's look at industrialization, uh, particularly in South Africa. How do you see this happening in spite of the challenges in the country? 
We have seen a steady decline over the last two decades of investment, direct foreign investment, not just in South Africa, but in Sub-Sahara Africa, which means that there's been a decline in the industrialization of the country with uh, uh, job losses associated. Africa's got the largest population of youth on the, con on the planet. And in order for us to provide uh, skills and jobs to those young people, we need to ensure the re-industrialization of not just the South African economy, but also the sub-Sahara economy. And that can only be done if there's a renewed focus on investment and capacitation of indu existing industrial capacity on the continent within those countries. What about infrastructural development? Because great improved infrastructural development or adequate infrastructure could help boost the economy, create the enabling uh, environment for job creation for the country's youth. Talk to me about infrastructure development in South Africa because some of, sometimes I've heard officials of the government say they are investing, others are saying not so much and they are not doing so much, especially coming from the opposition saying the government appears not to be doing enough in infrastructure development. Your take? Our government definitely needs to refocus on the investment of water infrastructure, of energy infrastructure, but we're also in a new environment where digital infrastructure is very important. The largest uptake of mobile technology is on the African continent and if we want to ensure that people can get the full benefit of those uh, new technologies, we need to ensure that our digital infrastructure is on the same level as most Western nations. Mm. Talk to me about mining beneficiation because you know South Africa is a big mining country, gold and other minerals. Talk to me about it. Mining beneficiation historically has been done outside of the African continent. Uh, we need to rebuild capacity to beneficiate our mineral resources and those that have been extracted from the land uh, to be done in Africa. Uh, mining beneficiation could be a catalyst for job creation, for skills development, much needed on our continent. That was Neil Diamond with the South African Chamber of Commerce in the US. He was speaking with my colleague Peter Cloti. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa is missing a meeting of the UN General Assembly in New York to deal with the country's intensifying energy crisis. Much of South Africa has been in darkness for 12 hours a day for more than two weeks following equipment failures at coal-fired power stations. Energy analysts blame the crisis on decades of government failure to upgrade electricity generation capacity and corruption at national power company ESCOM. Darren Teller has more. The latest blackouts have brought Africa's most industrialized economy to a near standstill, costing the country billions of dollars a day and sending its rand currency into free fall. We are teetering on the brink of a complete collapse of our grid. John Stiernazen leads the Democratic Alliance. The main opposition party has been asking the ruling African National Congress the ANC, for almost two decades to revamp the country's creaking energy network. South Africa is now in the midst of an electricity crisis that threatens to derail what is left of our economy and to destabilize our society. Some analysts say this is no longer a threat, but a reality. For the past 15 years, South Africans have experienced the devastating fallout from extended power outages. 
Besides the inconvenience of the lights being off, lives are lost, hospital equipment fails, home security alarms don't work, so criminals attack and sometimes murder residents. Thousands of jobs are lost when small businesses, no longer able to turn a profit, close. Motorists are killed in road accidents when traffic lights suddenly switch off. And criminals literally spark further outages when they cut electricity cables to steal copper, says Johannesburg engineer Clive Johnson. During load shedding, especially during stage six, where we have up to 12 hours of power being withdrawn and uh, these state-sponsored blackouts, we provide a very handy schedule to cable thieves who are then able to work without any fear of electrocution. Two months ago, when blackouts again swept South Africa, Ramaphosa appointed an energy crisis committee. It consists of cabinet ministers tasked with implementing emergency measures such as buying extra electricity from big private companies who've turned to renewable energy sources because of the crisis. Ramaphosa's meeting today with the committee. Stiernhazen says it's pointless because it doesn't have the expertise needed to alleviate the crisis. They have made no progress at all and they should be taken off the job right away. But what we cannot then do is replace them with another set of ANC politicians. We cannot keep repeating the same actions and then hoping for some different outcome. This crisis calls for outside industry experts to now take over and lead the way. But energy analyst Mpumulelo Mkabela says the ANC has a track record of ignoring experts in favor of what he calls its style of trying to command and control every aspect of society by itself and failing dismally. The main issue is the failure to listen to the people who actually are running ESCOM. The people that are running ESCOM are engineers, it's the technical guys. And those are the same people, by the way, who were ignored when the crisis first started, somewhere around 2005-2006, who actually advised the ESCOM board to say we need to increase generation capacity. The Ramaphosa administration says it will sign agreements with neighboring countries within days to import electricity. But ESCOM officials acknowledge this won't come close to ending the outages. They're warning ESCOM could soon implement Stage 8 load shedding. That would put South Africa in the dark for up to 16 hours a day as power stations fail because of years of neglect and graft by successive ANC administrations. These are allegations the ruling party no longer bothers denying. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. You're listening to African News Tonight on The Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bungani. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is co-hosting a food security summit on the sidelines of the United Nations General Assembly. Top U.N. officials have warned that drought, rising global commodity prices, the impact of COVID-19 and Russia's invasion of Ukraine could trigger famine in many countries. VOA senior diplomatic correspondent Sindesen has more. The United Nations says more than 800 million people worldwide are suffering from hunger right now. An increase of more than 150 million since the COVID-19 pandemic began. 
On the sidelines of the U.N. General Assembly on Tuesday, Secretary of State Antony Blinken said President Joe Biden would announce robust new assistance from the United States. Blinken said another way to support hunger relief was to push for an extension of the deal the U.N. brokered between Russia and Ukraine, which allows grain to be exported from Black Sea ports. And as you've heard from my colleagues, despite some of the misinformation that continues to come from Moscow, that grain and other food products are getting where they need to go, to the countries most in need, predominantly in the global south. Um, It's also helped lower food prices around the world. Russian President Vladimir Putin has said the deal is not working, and he blames Western sanctions on Moscow for food and fertilizer shortages instead of his own invasion of Ukraine. Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez said Putin is trying to blackmail the world with food. We're running out of time. If farmers don't get fertilizers at the right moment, poor or even lost harvest will continue to worsen the situation. We must arrive on time. And let me be clear, there is no peace with hunger. And we cannot combat hunger without peace. Ukrainian Infrastructure Minister Alexander Kubrakov told VOA that Ukraine is resuming grain exports to Somalia, Ethiopia, Kenya, and other African countries that need it the most. For us, it's just to, to increase volumes of our export. Uh, August, uh, uh, results of August were quite optimistic. We reached almost 5 million, ton, million tons. It's uh, very similar uh, volumes which we had before the war. Blinken said the U.S. is also looking to help boost agriculture in Africa in the long term. Many of our African colleagues especially made clear that as much as they needed emergency relief, what they really needed was more investment in agricultural innovation, sustainability, self-sufficiency. I am convinced from the time that I've spent recently in a number of countries in Africa, the capacity is there, but it needs help. Blinken visited South Africa, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Rwanda last month. Cindy Sane, VOA News. Nigeria's anti-drug body, the National Drug Law Enforcement Agency, has seized 1.8 tons of cocaine with an estimated street value of $270 million in Lagos. It was the largest drug haul in the country. The agency's spokesperson says the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency provided technical assistance to Nigerian officers as they they tracked the smugglers. He says the agency has been on the trail of the drug cartel since 2018. Femi Babafemi is the director of media and advocacy for Nigeria's National Drug Law Enforcement Agency. He spoke to reporter Mike Mbonye about the drug seizure. If you put um, the average price of, if you put everything together on the, the street value of that comes to um, comes to over two hundred and seventy million US dollars. Wow. And if you convert that to um, the exchange rate on the street in Nigeria, that gives you also over one hundred ninety-four billion naira. So that's which is huge. That kind of resources. Uh, uh, must not be allowed to be in the hands of uh, criminal gangs. Can you give an idea? If how big is this drug trade in Nigeria? This uh, seizure and arrest has also shown that um, it's actually um, 
big cartel, and beyond that, um, this cartel is part of an international syndicate. Yeah, indeed, um, it's a very big one because um, they have um, global international, they are part of the global uh, international network um, that cuts across um, a lot of countries, and um, so that's why we have to work in partnership with um, our, uh, our U.S. partners, that is the USDA Drug Enforcement Administration, so that we can also get uh, some technical support that uh, would uh, enable us uh, to deliver effectively. And that's exactly what happened, because uh, for these people, since 2018, they've been um, evasive and um, it's been pretty um, difficult uh, tracking them down, but this time around, uh, we made a, I mean, a spirited and concerted um, effort and were able to get them eventually. I'm sure um, in the course of the arrest, they were actually shocked because they, they, they never believed here. Yeah, they never believed them. Um, in fact, one of them who put on his body because he never believed it. He was asking, how? How, how, did, how did you people get us? <laughs> so shows that they probably saw themselves as... Um, as faceless as people that mm. can never be unraveled, for them were able to unravel them. Are these drugs sold for use in Africa, or are they being shipped elsewhere? Actually, from our intelligence and from investigations, from preliminary investigations, it's um, established that indeed this consignment um, was actually meant for distribution across Africa, across Europe across Africa and other parts of the world, including Asia. So it's because the volume, the volume below is even beyond what Africa can consume. We are talking of raw, raw, raw bouquet. So it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. It's beyond what, um, you know, they just, they just ship this thing here um, to, to warehouse and then from here, they are, they are, yeah, members of the cartel operating in Nigeria will then start distributing to back to other parts of the world. That was Femi Baba Femi, the spokesman for Nigeria's National Drug Law Enforcement Agency. He was speaking by phone to reporter Mike Mboni in Lagos. A senior commander in the fight against rebels in the Eastern Democratic Republic of the Congo has been arrested. The French news agency AFP says that Lieutenant General Philemon Yav Irung, who led military operations against the M23 militia in East Kivu province, has been in prison in Kinshasa since Monday. An army spokesman confirmed his arrest but offered no details, nor did a spokesman for the Congolese army. AFP notes that his detention comes shortly after the arrest of another mil- army officer in Goma on suspicion of poisoning the province's ranking general who was first thought to have died from a heart attack. The rebel M23 group, made up primarily of ethnic Tutsi, resumed fighting last year and has captured the strategic town of Bunagana on the border with Uganda. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington. For all latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com.
Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station.